Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I hope you guys are having a incredible week and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, great guest today, James Marsders. He's been on before, but we got him in studio. And boy, was he, uh, what's the word, forthcoming? Yeah. Open, Open. honest, mm -hmm. talked about Joss Whedon, talked mm -hmm. about all that stuff, which we know is in all over the media for some time and yep. still is. And uh, I loved having James on again. He's a great, great guest. And uh, uh, I'm glad he didn't get COVID <laughs> because I got COVID around that time and it, he didn't get it. So... I would have felt bad. Yeah. That was a troubling time. It was. But Dark uh, times. thanks for listening. I hope you guys, if you're listening for James and you haven't listened before, I hope you subscribe to the podcast. It really helps. And uh, we're trying to build an audience here. So uh, a lot of great guests from the past, a lot of great guests coming up. We really open up about mental health and anxiety and life and career. And it's not just a celebrity talk. And I think if you listen to it, you'll notice that, that it's just a real conversation, which I hope you'll enjoy. Please follow us. Ryan. At Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. That's right. Subscribe. You can watch the videos on YouTube. You can watch the whole interview and uh, you can listen wherever you get your podcast. And please subscribe, write a review. It helps. Also, thanks to my patrons who give a little bit extra. If you want to give a little bit extra to the podcast, if you're really enjoying it, you want to help out, uh, it's, it's, it's patreon.com slash inside of you patreon.com slash inside of you join it's an amazing little thing a lot of people have become friends um from the patron patreon and uh i hope you'll join that and help the podcast a little bit more patreon.com slash inside of you also if you want any merch uh inside of you online store great stuff there's a there's lex luther stuff for god's sake smallville lunch boxes there's inside of you mugs there's a lot of cool stuff and also if you want to zoom me you could zoom me uh go to sunspin.com that's my band sunspin we have shows coming up october 9th is the next show we'll be putting something up soon and uh, you can get cool merch and uh zoom with us but uh yeah i also will be in west virginia this coming weekend uh, i'm doing a smallville nights um, and I'll be signing autographs in West Virginia at the Mountaineercom. Mountaineercom. So join me. Join me. Who said that? Darth Vader. Darth Vader said oh. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Ryan, did you have a good week? Yes, I did. I mean, I guess they're listening. It's Tuesday. Yeah, so it's Tuesday. Did you have a good weekend? I did. You know, my rec league softball is back. And, you know, honestly, that makes me happy. It gives you something to do. It does. Something Outside. to look forward to. Mm -hmm. I need something to look forward to. I need to do more things. I think I'm going to do more things. Yeah. I, I, I realized how badly I missed hanging out with people outside. <laughs> no. Well, if you need a player, will you let me know? Yeah, we'll do. All right, cool. Uh, thank you for listening again. And please subscribe, like I said. And uh, we'll talk to you right after the podcast is over. Let's get inside of James Marsders. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You. Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience.
So you, you feel like you're uh, shooting a TV show right now. You're like, how much, how much do I move? How tight are you guys on this close up? I'm a professional. I'm uh, a professional, Michael. You are. I know, what to, <laughs> I know what to do. Are you one of those guys that always hits your mark, that always knows what to do, that never hears from anyone, oh, James misses Mark again? No, I, I um, and are we, we're recording. Oh, so yeah. This is, I'm, I'm going to give you the good stuff now. Oh, as opposed to <laughs> now be interesting. Now be interesting. No, I'm a guy that knows his lines really well, uh, but I don't know. I'm, I, I'm good at the marks, uh, but I, I do remember um, going from Buffy to Angel, and on, on Buffy we were shooting film, and they were just blown out with light. So if I was within a foot of my mark, they're like, gotcha. And on Angel we were shooting digitally, and so they were using a lot of bounce for the fill light. And it was just lower light levels. And they were they were like, James, you missed your mark, and I'd be off by that much. And That fucks with your performance, too, because you can't have as much freedom, right? Exactly. And I, I, I kept thinking, these guys aren't very tight. They're not a tight crew. Like, they should hire people who can focus the camera. And it took me about nine months, well, six months, to think back to when I was a teenager. I had a stepfather who was a photographer and he was talking about depth of field. Right. And a lower light level means that there's a less, like a wide, for those of you at home, the, the wide <laughs> depths of field is when, you know, I would be in focus if I'm here or if I'm here, there's a depth of field here, but with low light levels, it shrinks and you're only in focus if you're right there. Right. And they they were a very tight crew. They knew exactly what they were doing. And and I went to apologize to them and they said, yeah, well, we, we were confused, James, because we kept telling you we were on a long lens. And I was like, I don't know about that. I just, this one thing I know, <laughs> and I finally figured it out, so I'm sorry. But yeah, I, I, uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good with the technical stuff. I'm, I'm very good with the technical stuff, but I'm much better at knowing my lines than than hitting my marks although no one's complained but no one's complained know. no one's like dude he hit it misses mark again you always know that too because the crew's like yeah uh, hey, you gotta hit this mark sometimes like if i'm in a real intense scene and uh i've got to walk up to somebody and i have to hit this mark and be in it i'm like put a fucking sandbag down oh but put a sandbag down because i don't want to think about hitting that mark i want to just hit that mark and just continue with what i'm doing you know what's the sweetest thing is when the actors are giving printable takes and the crew is blowing them. I love, I love that. When the crew's blowing them? Well, you know, I mean, like, it, yeah. I mean, like, there can be any number of mistakes on any take. And there's all Hold sorts on. of, yeah. Hey, Blanche, quiet. Blanche uh, understands English? Did you hear that? Did you hear her barking now? No, I She don't. gets it. Wow, she she just probably dog. barked. Would you hear another bark, Ryan? He did. Just respect quite you, Michael. But when the, when, the, when the crew blows you? No. No, not, I mean, no, no. That's actually uncomfortable. No, <laughs> the, this one, it's when, it's when the actors are giving printable takes, but the crew is the one to have to say, I need another one. I know. That and you know what's great. funny it's is great. there's such like, they're geniuses. I mean, most crews I work with are fantastic and they just, they're perfectionists. So <laughs> that takes probably fine. It's like, ah, it was a little soft. And yeah, you know, you can cut to the other person yeah. on for, for a second. You know, we didn't talk about this the last time you were on. You were such a great guest and you were so open that I'm glad you're back. I'm glad I'm glad. And I didn't really prepare anything time. because I was like, you know, I just wanted to talk to you. But there was a couple of things like, for instance, you know, your transition into Angel. Was that something that they approached you early on? Did Joss or anybody say, hey, we have these plans for you to be on Angel? Were you, were, were you surprised that they're, they want you to be on Angel? Uh, 
They, he came to me, uh, it was certainly before we finished filming Buffy. It was before the, the, the summer. Uh, and it was a few months before. So yeah, I had some lead time. Uh, and apparently they had gotten canceled and Joss was trying to going back and forth with network. Well, about it was canceled. To, uh, Angel. Angel was canceled. And season. And going into season five. So after season four, they canceled it. And Joss was like, well, what if we do this? Can I, can I have another season? What if I do that? And then he found, when he said, what if I can get spiked? They were like, oh, well, if you can get spiked, you can, you can go for another scene. And so he called me. <laughs> did you know that he needed you or did you not realize that? I didn't know that dynamic. That would have been a thing called leverage. Uh, well, I found it out, and yes. And it helped. <laughs> it did, but um, it took a long time. And it, it taught me to not be angry with producers when they tried to screw me. And That's so hard because you take it personally. Yeah. And, and uh, I, I thought back to the days when I was paying actors... Uh, when I had a theater company, we only had 60 seats. So it's the same problems, but in a smaller right. thing. I paid people $18 a performance. and But that's what you had. Yeah, but that's what they had. And Do you think that's, see, they, that's what they tell you they had? Well, here we go. Here we go. So um, I, I held out for the amount of money that I was making on Buffy. Because I, 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 Josh said we don't have a lot of money on Angel. It's not like Buffy. We it, it's we have some money. It's not a cheap show, obviously, but it's not the same as Buffy. Uh, and I, I I told him I said, look, when you told me that, I said I'm not going to hold out for more than I was making on Buffy, but you're offering me less, and I didn't really that didn't think vibe. that that was going to happen, and I'm not really gonna gonna go for that. Right. Uh, and charisma. Uh, got a phone call saying that we, we can't have you in for the season five, which was very painful for her. And I have to ask myself, did I, in me, holding to that amount of money mean that they had to make a decision and, and, and shrink the cast? So they didn't bring her back for season five? Yeah, and, and partially, probably, to pay me. So you feel bad, even though it's not your fault. Yeah. You were just getting what you were thought you were worth. It's called it's, business. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, it's it makes you think, oh, shit, I hope that. She has a kid. She has a kid. Did you ever talk to her about that? Yeah. You did? Yeah. And what did you say to her? I didn't, you know, I mean, she knows. She's part of the business. She doesn't, right. you know, hold any grudges or anything. But uh, but I, I have a feeling that that, that, obviously, you know, that's if I was signing the checks that would be my thinking we can only afford these many actors and if i could have gotten james for half price i would go to charisma and see if she could right go for half price or whatever and maybe we could keep everybody around but nope but you're right about it. you take things personally like uh it's hard to go on set where you're working in that atmosphere and separate business from from you know you're there to also the crew they're working their ass off they have nothing to do with this the other actors have nothing to do with this but there's this resentment that fills inside of you and you start to think i'm not appreciate appreciated yes. I, I just they they don't really care about me they don't you know so what they do i do value me so it's That's hard i I'm, i remember tom welling said to me because i was going through renegotiations and i remember you know i just was like i they just made all these promises and they just didn't keep them. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, hey, you know, I see how upset you are. 
Like you're not your fun self. You're not doing stand up to the crew. You're not hanging out. You're just going to your trailer. You're delivering your lines. I'm like, but they don't care. The business side doesn't care. As long as you're delivering your lines, they don't care how happy you are. So don't let them dictate, you know, oh, wow. you know what I mean? Yeah. Your happiness. And that changed my perspective in a lot of ways. Like, yeah. you know, I started thinking, you know, well, what do I do? Well, what you're doing right now is just punishing yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm not worthy. And I'm, did you go through any of that? I was playing a character that was pretty much unhappy all the time. So. <laughs> and I was like, I was super yeah. like uh, Mr. Method actor. So I was getting consumed by this character and I was getting in touch with all the darkness and loneliness and isolation the whole time. Uh, you were only, really method on for Spike. Yeah, and I got to say, it's dangerous. Like the method can be used for film because you're in and out for a specific period of time, which is usually less than a year. And uh, when you're doing it for six or seven years, it just keeps eating you, and you just keep climbing in, especially with a character like that. Jesus. When you say method, what do you like? Explain for the audience what you mean f- you. for a role or a series. What are you doing that makes it method? Yeah, so the method gets a kind of a bad rap because people, you know, uh, it can mean anyway. It basically you don't get out of character. You're that yeah, guy yeah, forever. Yeah, and 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 you're you're trying, you're just building. Like I was building a little tiny town in my mind called Sunnydale, and in that little right. tiny town was a little tiny Buffy, and there was a little tiny Spike who loved Buffy, but she didn't love him back the way he wanted her to. And and I I, I provided all those details so that in, a, in an imagination, imaginative way, I could kind of escape into that, and it seemed real. Uh, Sean Penn calls it the box. Meryl Streep calls it the... I think the sandbox or the playpen, but it's the boundaries. It's that it's, it's the boundaries of Sunnydale, you know, for, for, for Buffy. Um, and it means that once I escape into that reality, once I'm fully kind of believing it, you don't, you're not psychotic. You don't really believe it, but you, you, you have this detailed imaginative life. Um, you can just kind of move within that. And in, in, and once you're sunk into that, you in a way can't make a mistake. Whatever you do is kind of appropriate because you're really living living that life. Like um, uh, Daniel Day Lewis, who does this a lot, when he did um, uh, Lincoln. Well, the, everything. That, everything he does. Everything my left foot. There's, there's one uh, that he uh, uh, Scarlet Letter, and he was playing a Quake Quaker, I think, um, early Protestant of some kind. Uh, right. He is <laughs> playing a guy who was a carpenter. And so he went to the set very early and built his own house. And he learned carpentry. And he lived in that house. Viggo Morrison slept with his, his horse for Lord of the Rings. Oh my God. So that there was a reality being built that you really can't act. And when you watch Daniel Day-Lewis in that film, the way he uses his hands is a workman. Because he is now. And the way that Viggo Morrison was, was uh, the relationship that he had with this horse, because he played a ranger who's all about his horse, that relationship was real. So he provided that. It didn't have to be acted. It just was. And so it's very useful for film because, it, you know, film is so intimate that it catches acting. Acting is basically lying. Right. You know? It really is hungering for an, a, a, real docu- a real event to happen to document and is not really satisfied with anything less. And so the more that, that, that I can provide myself, either through imagination or through actually doing it, um, 
the less I'm acting and the more I just have it. Right. Uh, but it ate me. For Buffy, it just ate me alive. Yeah, because films, for lack of a better word, ephemeral. You know, it's sort of like, you know, it's these four months. It's this six months. It's three months. It's whatever it is. But a series is... So, you don't know when you're going to get yeah. out. Yeah. And I guess, yeah. you know, with the hair and stuff, you, you you kept the hair. I mean, obviously, it's your hair. So I saw some interviews. You always went on with the colored hair, and you, they'd have to redo it every so often. Yeah. And in a way, that helps you kind of keep that character with you, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, if you want to think about Method, it's like you're carrying the character with you yeah. home at night. Yeah. Inside of you is brought to you by Neurohacker. Qualia Synaletic. I've been using this stuff, Ryan, for focus. Uh, I just feel better, a sense of well-being. If you want to help resist aging at the cellular level, you got to try Qualia Synaletic. Um, have you heard about Synaletics, Ryan? Uh, I have a little bit, but why don't you tell me about it's it? It's a class of ingredients discovered less than 10 years ago, and they're being called one of the biggest discoveries of our time for helping to promote healthy aging and helping to enhance your physical prime. Your life goals in your career and beyond require productivity. But let's be honest, the aging process is not our friend when it comes to endless energy and productivity. That's why we use Qualia Senolytic. If someone would have told me that there are science-backed ingredients that could help me feel 15 years younger in a matter of months, I, you know, I wouldn't have believed it. And then I tried Qualia Senolytic. And just to let you guys know, I was trying this stuff before they became a sponsor, and I've said this before, but it's important to know because I love this product before they were the, uh, our sponsor, and I felt like it was working for me. I felt like I had a focus. I just felt my memory, everything, uh, sense of well-being. I just felt better, and um, I know people, listeners that have come up to me saying how much it works for them, and... I like that. I like that it's it's not just me that notices the effects, but everyone else around me. As we age, everyone accumulates senescent cells in their body. Senescent cells may cause symptoms of aging, such as aches and discomfort, slow workout recoveries, sluggish mental and physical energy associated with the middle age feeling, also known as zombie cells. They are old and worn out and not serving a useful function for our health anymore but they could be taking up space and nutrients from our healthy cells. It's kind of like pruning and the yellowing uh, of, of dead leaves off a plant. Qualia Senolytic helps remove those worn out senescent cells to allow for the rest of them to thrive in the body. And you just take it two days a month. That's it. The formula is non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, and the ingredients are meant to complement one another, factoring in the combined effect of all ingredients together. And you get a 100-day money-back guarantee. Um, like I said, my energy levels are up. I feel younger when I take it. I feel more focused, less aches and pains, and Lord knows I have those. Help resist aging at the cellular level. Try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash inside for up to $100 off and use code inside at checkout for an additional 15% off. That's neurohacker.com slash inside for an extra 15% off your purchase. Thanks to Neurohacker for sponsoring today's episode. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The products and statements are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Inside of You is brought to you by Shopify. You've heard me talk about Shopify. It's because I use Shopify. I love it. It's so easy to use. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Why it's so easy is when I want to add a product, you just go to your Shopify page, and under products, you hit products, it says add a product. And then you go in there and you add a picture of your product, which is self-explanatory right there. A little description, how much it weighs, how many of the item you have, and you're ready for business. It's so easy. And I say that because I can do it. And the analytics are easy to see what your best-selling product is and uh, you know what's not selling so you don't reorder things that aren't working. And it's just so easy to use, and I, uh, I really dig it. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Yeah, I sell T-shirts and, and tumblers and scripts and whatever you want to sell. It doesn't matter. You can do it on Shopify. Once you start selling, Shopify makes getting paid simple by instantly accepting every type of payment. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. Did you feel like that? Did you feel like with whoever you were with at the time, your loved one was like your spike? Dude, for most of the time, I didn't. I just went home. I was alone the whole time. Really? Just, yeah. I was. I would just go into my crypt. I would drive home and be in a little tiny apartment, study my lines, or walk on the beach alone because that's Spike. And I didn't. I didn't really consciously do that. I just realized that all of my stage acting was not really working very well for film, and I had to try a new way. And I guess I just, without consciously making the decision, just decided to just step into the character and to, to feel that way. But it was a, it was a lonely time. It really? Was, yeah. Depression? Yeah. Yeah. Personally speaking, it was, uh, it was not the happiest time of my life. Why is that exactly? Well, because, you know, the character of Spike is all of my darker parts the, the side that I try not to inflict on the world, you right, know, because right, like right. being a nice person is really the act of not telling everyone what I'm thinking all the time, you know? <laughs> Very um, true. Uh, uh, trying to give people the best of me, not, not, not the worst. And um, so Spike is, Spike is all of the, the frustration, all of the uh, loneliness, all of the um, anger uh, that I have in me. And you don't want to have dinner with that guy. 
that guy's not fun. So you but, weren't fun to be around for seven years? Correct. But. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. But, you know, you combine that with the script, which is delightful and funny and sparkling and everything. And that's the character of Spike. Um, uh, Dynamic. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, that's true with any character. You know, you, you, you bring what you bring and then you add the script to that. And then that's when the character happens. Um, but. Uh, no, I mean, the best thing that I did was I, I, I just didn't talk to anybody on the set. I was known as the ghost. Really? Yeah. I uh, didn't know that. So you really didn't talk to anybody. You no, kept to yourself. I, I, know no, I knew nothing about what was going on around me. I like, I would freak out the crew because when they said, when they say second team on a set, for those of you at home, that <laughs> means that you actors can go fuck off for a while. Yeah. Uh, and when they call first team, that means we want you back close to the set. Right. Uh, and so when, I, when, as soon as they called second team, I would just go and disappear. So you never ate lunch with people for the most part. You never conversed with them about it unless it was about a scene and how you were going to work it. Yeah. Yeah. So you were, you were approachable. You were there if someone needed yeah, you, they, but I, you just didn't prefer being around people. Yeah. And I'm, I'm remembered as being like the very nice guy on the set. You know, I wasn't like, you know, being a dick or anything. I just right. wasn't really hanging out with anybody. And so what I would do is I would lot, I would find a little dusty corner of the set within earshot of the first AD and lie down and rest, close my eyes. And, all the time. All the time. And if I heard either James, James Marsters, or uh, First Team, I would just appear on my mark. And the, the director or the AD would be just like, James, whoa, Jesus. We, no, we, we didn't call First Team. We're just talking about you. Not, <laughs> you, know? you must have heard it over the walkie. <laughs> yeah, the First Team's being a real yeah. bunch of ass. And um, so they relaxed after a while. They but knew but the cast, there. you got along with the cast. Yeah. They liked you. They, 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 did you think probably you always have... You always think about what people think about you. That's what we do. I mean, that's what I do. I, I want people to like me. I, I, we I, all do. Yeah. Right. But did you feel like the cast likes me? They think I'm a weirdo, all the above? I think I understood that they're both were true. I think they, I think it, they liked me. Uh, I was easy to work with. Right. Um, I didn't, I didn't come in screaming. You know, I didn't, didn't have. <laughs> Did you ever get drama. upset? Did you ever lose your temper? I got upset a lot. I didn't lose my temper. Uh, I would go back in my trailer and throw things sometimes. You would? Oh, yeah, but I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't so nobody saw it. it? No, no. People didn't You'd see scream it. in your trailer. You'd have to ask, you know what? You'd have to ask them. You can't recall. Because, you know, you, you only remember the things that make you look good. So, I, I really, I got, I'm pretty confident. Also, in, you know, I see, I see the cast at conventions or we call each other and they always reflect back that I was always really easy to work with and I like they like me a lot. So I think I'm probably right. I you're probably I kept that right. nice. Yeah, kept I think it would have come out by now that you were a real <laughs> dick. Yeah. Um yeah. I also saw that you know I know that you did a lot of love scenes or uh, with Sarah Michelle Geller. Now, she's obviously adorable and she's great and you're working with her and you're lonely and you go home. Was there ever a time where you were like I've got a little crush on her. I wish she liked me. The opposite. Really? The opposite, yeah. So The opposite? Yeah. Like you didn't have a crush on her at all. Well, I had... So Spike is alive in me, and Spike is in love with Buffy. Right. So that's true. But for, for many seasons, we weren't in love. And I came to think of Sarah as my kid's sister, who I loved very much. 
and who drove me crazy sometimes, and I know that I drove her crazy sometimes. Of course. Uh, and and we're you know you're working on a TV show, and you're all nobody gets sleep, and you know, and so you see the best and the worst in people. And I and I was like, I like my kid's sister, but ah, I wish she would do right, this. Right, you know? right. Um, uh, and so when they said, uh, I remember I went to I went to Joss, and I was like. Look, if you ever want me to take my shirt off, can you not Mark Belukas me and just give me some give me some lead time? Because I can give the difference between having a body that looks good in a t-shirt and the, the body that looks good without one is just a mountain to climb. So can oh, you yeah. just give me a little time to get ready? And and he goes, oh well, I'm glad we're having the conversation because uh, uh, get ready over the summer because next season you and uh, you're gonna fall in love with Buffy. And I was like, great idea, dude. I've always thought that that was the answer because the whole, the whole, <laughs> the whole truth was, is like, if you're going to put Spike in the show as a, as a cast member, right. you gotta, you gotta have him stop trying to kill Buffy in some way, because that was his whole reason for being. Uh, but if he keeps trying, he either succeeds and we don't have a show, which obviously you're not going to do, or he keeps failing and that's just going to get repetitive and ridiculous. And I always thought they put a chip in my head, which meant that I couldn't even kill a fly. And that was funny, but I thought a better idea was to have him fall in love with Buffy. Of course, she never reciprocates. That would be ridiculous. But you can see, you could, you could have him try to win her love either to, and fail either to horrific effect or comedic effect. And you could run that one in many different ways. And that you probably could could put together some seasons on. Wow. And so I just assumed that was what he was doing. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. She's going to fall for you too. You're going to have sex. So get ready. I was like, what? I just couldn't conceive. See, that would have excited me. Like, I would have been like, oh, my gosh, that's great. I mean, as a professional, of course. But still, I mean, you know, it's, you know, people always ask, you know, how is it like doing makeout scenes or sex scenes? I'm like, it's work. It's not fun at all. It's like, you know. But if you're attracted to someone and the, it's not, it doesn't suck. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a liar if I'm going to sit here and go, well, it's all, you know, when I was kissing uh, Kristen Crook, it was, it was just, it was like kissing my sister. It was gross. I'm like, fucking, uh, then I'd be a fucking liar. She's a beautiful woman. Yes, and yes. I was, it was, it, it was, it didn't suck. Well, this is what happened. It just did not suck. That's this all is, I'll say. Yeah. This is what happened. So, so, uh, I, I have this problem. I'm, I know I'm going to have to fall in love with Sarah. And falling in love with your sister is a weird thing to be asked to do, right. you know. And uh, I went in, and she was shooting a, film, a, a scene where she's uh, selling burgers outside the drive-through, and she's got this ridiculous hat on uh, for for her job. And her character has just saved the world, obviously um, died, gone to heaven, and she gets pulled back by witchcraft back down to earth. Earth, in comparison to heaven, is hell. So she's in hell now. She wakes up, and now she's got this magical kid sister out of nowhere that now she has to raise because her mother has died. Boy, this is complicated. So anyway, <laughs> she's in the shit. Right. And she has to, she has to provide for the kid's sister. And uh, so she's working in this burger shop and she's the freaking slayer. She's, she's like Superman having to sell burgers for a living. And she's not bitching about it. And she's trying to be nice to rude customers. And she's being really, really cool about being in this horrible place. And so I'm watching her film this scene. And I fall in love with Buffy. Wow. And I was like, that's my in. I just found it. I got it. Oh, my God. I don't have to fall in love with Sarah. I love Sarah, but not, you know. Right. And, uh, 
And I was just sitting there kind of like this, just looking at her with misty eyes. She turns around and goes, what? Not you too, James. Everyone's been f- making fun of me with this hat. I didn't think you would too. God. And I broke her heart and I, <laughs> I couldn't tell her, no, I just fell in love with you, baby. No. No, I just fell in love with you. I mean, my character fell in love yeah, with you. I it's really so, feel it's it. So, it's, it sounds psychotic, but that's what it is. And, and yes, and so I, I very much enjoyed kissing her because when I was kissing her, I was Spike. And, right. and, and again, that imaginative world allowed me the license to to admit that, yes, she's a very good person to kiss, but... All right, good answer, good answer. That's a good answer. You know... (laughs) But I I hate, hate love scenes. Yeah, I don't like them either. I hate I just feel uncomfortable because I never feel like I'm sexy. I never feel like I look sexy no matter what. I work out for a month. I'm like, hey, you're still Rosenbaum. You know, you're not that, you know... I don't know. I just... I'm, But I can do it. I can turn it on if I have to. And hopefully they'll cut around it and make it look sexy, and they'll add some like Portishead. It's music. just, it's a, it's a, it's usually a glamorous scene. They want it to be glamorous in some way, right. and the word glamour means illusion. So it's very far, it's 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 far away from reality. So the shots have to look so good that it takes a lot more work to create something that is far away from what's actually happening. So. The more glamorous it is, like, oh, go in and kiss her. Oh, I love you, Bubba. James, you are one quarter inch too far to the left. Can you just move your mouth? Can you turn a little bit? Nope, too far. Okay, do it again. Oh, I love you. No, James. The- breath mints, oh, breath mints on set, please. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's, just it's such a highly technical yeah. thing. Uh, it's just very hard to act in. And then you're usually freaking naked in front of a lot of people who are not. And that's everyone's nightmare. That's... Everyone's had that yeah. nightmare. You're yeah. naked and everyone else has got clothes. So it's just, it's like, and yeah. what is my job description this morning when you're brushing your teeth? You know, <laughs> if you admit it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You've heard me talk about BetterHelp and it has helped a lot of people, a lot of my friends and family. And uh, it's just so important. I, I find therapy to be so helpful in so many different ways. A lot of us wish we had more time, but time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself, and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Therapy can help everyone be the best they can be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot inside. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences 
each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, look, you've talked about this. You said what you said. There was a lot. It was a, it was a big thing with Joss Whedon on set and, you know, the whole um, way castmates were treated. Was it something you were privy to? Something that you noticed? Something that, or was, did you always just feel like he was just a, a tough guy, knew what he wanted, was intense. What was it like for you? You're, I'm not saying that you're, you don't agree or you agree with whatever. Other, everyone had their own experience. Had their own experience. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell them they didn't. Exactly. Yeah. That yeah. You're not telling what, but your experience, I want to know your experience. Yeah, my was. experience. Because I remember you telling me in the first interview that there was a time where he kind of put you against the wall and said something to you. And that was like, and I, I said, he, he was joking. And you go, no. no. So maybe just recap that briefly, but, okay. but then go into what your perception was. Yeah. So uh, just in in Joss's world, evil is not cool. And I really respect him for that. Uh, vampires were just a metaphor for the challenges that you get over in your adolescence. So vampires are supposed to be overcome. And uh, he got talked into one sexy vampire that's not going to be killed off. That was Angel. And I was supposed to come in and get killed off. And uh, the audience immediately reacted to me in a way that that made it was going to make it very difficult to kill me off. And the network was telling them, oh, my God, keep this guy in the show and all of that. And he's like, you're I was basically ruining his show. Basically forcing him to keep you on because you were doing so well. Yes. But the thing is, is that that is going to change the show from being about a teenager overcoming adolescence into a show where where those problems are kind of sexy, aren't they? All those all the all this 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 psychotic per- I was killing people all the time. I was shredding them. And right. and the audience was going, "Oh, we want more of that." And Joss was like, "No, no, the point is that you overcome <laughs> the evil. That's the point." So if I was in his shoes, I would have killed me off. I wouldn't have pushed me up against the wall. I just, I just would have killed him off immediately, saying, "I know I told you five episodes will pay you for five, but you're dead after two. Sorry." That's what I would have done. But he didn't do that. No, he didn't. He just got frustrated and figured it out. But the, there was that day when he he pushed me up against the wall. Well, how, did, how did it start? Did he immediately go up to you? I don't remember. How it you don't remember. It's it, it, you know. I just were have people this image there. Of him. Yeah, yeah. And, and and he's in my face. He goes, I don't how, I don't care how popular you are, kid. You are dead. You are dead. You are dead. You got me. But you never were dead. But he didn't. Yeah, because he. So you didn't make a courage. slight smirk to it? There was a, but you're dead. You're dead. <laughs> no, I just said, it's your football, dude. You got, you did, you do it's what your, you want to do. It's your you call. Know, like, I, you know, I, I'm not, I'd come off of producing. So I was always on the side. I'm always on the side of production. So, right. uh, uh, but your experience on set, like that you can remember, like you're sitting there and you're in your head. Cause remember, I, you just told me you're kind of a loner. You're kind of doing your own thing. So I don't know what you saw, but there were peripherally where there are kind of little things that you're like, oh, that's pretty intense or that's. Two things. First, I kind of, I kind of thought of him as a mad was like as a wizard, like able to create magic. And whew, here's another amazing thing. But also, like you know, don't piss off Gandalf because he might 
you know, snap. Uh, yeah, or, or I don't know, snap. Well, well he might tell snap you exactly what he's thinking. You know, I but, but you know, I just remember one time I went up to him and I said, you know, it must be wonderful to 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 wind up this universe and watch it play out. Isn't that exciting? And he goes, Yeah, it's great, James. Except I have to keep winding. And so he put an enormous amount of pressure on himself. And so I I saw his his uh, intensity as that as 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 trying to accomplish something that was a very high bar and that he most of all put the pressure on himself to deliver that um and the other thing i want to say is that <laughs> i was mostly angry at him that he wasn't around by the time i got cuz i i you know i was he was around for my second season and I was in 10 out of 22 episodes of that. The third season, I was in one episode. By season four, when I became a cast regular and was around all the time, he was off doing Angel. And by the time I was on Angel, he was off doing Firefly. So he was never... So you never he just saw wasn't him, around. really? And this is the thing, though. This is why I was mad. Because when he did come around and, and, and direct an episode, I, I, I was never in it. I was... I, like I, the musical... Well, that is an yeah. I had a couple of scenes in that. I think I had two scenes in that. But oftentimes, I was I, I knew that I'd have the most time off if Joss was directing. For some reason, when he came on, I just wasn't very much part of. Do you of think the he mix. didn't like you? That's what I thought. That's what I, I was just like. Do you what? still think that? Do you still think he never liked you? No, not not anymore. No, no. Uh, it's just that I think that his mind went to the original conception of the show, which was his Scooby Gang going through. Uh, machinations and overcoming things, and that you know, and I'm a purist by nature as well, so I understand that his mind kind of goes back to that right. kind, of, kind of thing. Uh, but at the time, I was like, you know. <laughs> so the truth is, is there was a lot that went on that I that I that I didn't see. Really, you just yeah. didn't see it. You you and would hear about things, probably. Yeah, and the the thing is that 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 Spike usually. Spike's storyline was kind of like a miniature movie within the other movie, within the main movie. It was a subplot. So most of my scenes were with guest stars. I didn't have that many, you know, I had scenes with the other cast members, certainly, but, but not all the time. A lot of times it was, it was with a, another cast telling a separate story. Would you do a, a Buffy uh, reunion if they did something? Or a Buffy yeah, movie? Yeah, you know, if, if Josh... Yes, if I, I I have I have I have reticence about it, Mike, because you know Spike is a vampire and I'm not. You know, oh, Spike <laughs> looks really good for his age. That's right. that's not what you talk about a vampire. Like, what the great scene would be: Buffy and Spike get back together, and Spike looks exactly like he did back in the show. But they have ma- they have Buffy makeup. You could look a little younger. That. They you could look they could use things for. You know, I mean, you still look damn good, but you're not like, do, you know, it's not, you're not 20 years ago. I know, but I mean, but like, that's, that would, that would be amazing to see Buffy have well, to deal the, with that one. Like Spike's still beautiful and Buffy has aged. Like that is, <laughs> that's a great but, scene, but right? But that's sort of what would happen in the vampire world, right? The vampire stays young. Yes. Yes, that's well, one of that. the whole sleep all day, there party all night, yeah. never grow old, never yeah. die. It's fun to yeah. be a vampire. And to take and to take any of that away from a vampire character is to diminish them. So I'm that's my reticence. That's why I'm kind of like I'm maybe the one character where you could do you could do another uh, another Buffy and see all the characters and see how they're doing now 
with Spike, it just you take him down off of what makes him cool to begin with, just by having me in there. So it might be it might be best to recast it. Do you think it will happen? I don't think people. I have no idea. No one. Wait a minute. Go back. You just said uh, recast someone. Well, they I would mean, never recast you. They would well, never. What, if you're what does one Spike, do? is Spike. I mean, they've replaced me. <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, what? They haven't replaced me on like on Smallville, but they have used other Lex Luthers. But there's you're a Spike. Yeah, I was. You're Spike from Buffy. <laughs> yeah, I felt really guilty about doing for Lex what? Luthor. For, by the way, really. Well, when were you Lex Luthor? Oh shit. Oh yeah, you were the voice. It right? was just a voice for a cartoon. Oh, I don't, what do I care? There's been hundreds of. Oh, I don't. I, well, I won't I care was, anyway. I was. I was not bad. I was I'm sure bad. you were great. Now I'm going to listen to it. On what? What was it on? <laughs> It was a cartoon called uh, Doomsday. Hey, fuck you, Doomsday. <laughs> All you had to do was call me and, 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 and get that, you know. an average uh, video game uh, called DC Universe Online. Yeah. But the, the, the thing that I was thinking when they offered it to me was like, I don't know if... I don't know if I can have fun doing this character because I know that Michael Rosenbaum did so no. well. No, seriously. Like, like okay... I would never want to do Rebel Without a Cause because James Dean did that perfectly. He, I'm never going to be a better... I don't know the name of that character in that film. Uh, if, uh, I don't know. Uh, Ryan Colton. looked at me like, Haw don't ask me. <laughs> no, Hudson Hawk, maybe? I don't Hudson remember. Hawk, whatever it was. <laughs> I'm never going to be a better version of that character. He aced that one, so that just leave that alone. Conversely, I'm not sure how good James Dean would be doing Spike. There so you go. We all have the things we, we do. We all well. have the things we do. So all right. He'd probably be freaking out if he was if he was cast as Spike. Like man, James actually did very well on that. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to to you know make it sing the same way. So I was I was just thinking, man, like I don't I don't know if I can have fun with it because I'm always going to be worried that I'm just I'm just down here where it's already you know everyone knows what can be done with the role and now I'm going to be you know not that so. But look, but I'm they were paying me. So. Yeah, I'm always happy when I hear some. Oh, I was the voice of Lex Luthor. Of course, I go. Well, I just don't know why they didn't call me. But you have a different voice than I do, and you could do maybe a voice that they wanted or they wanted to. I this is this is acting. This is the this is the world. I don't. I'm like, hey, man. People are like, what do you think of J uh, Jesse Eisenberg? Or I almost said Jason. What do you think of Jason <laughs> Eisenberg? I'm like. Good for him. <laughs> hey, man, you got Lex Luthor. Hey, I wish you the best, dude. I worked with him. He's a really sweet guy. Mm -hmm. He's talented. Fuck it, yeah. yeah. I'm always rooting for people. Deep down, do I go, why don't they ever give me, you know, why wouldn't they even give me an audition for it? Why wouldn't they test me? Maybe, who, whatever reason, that's the only thing that I think bothers me. Mm -hmm. I was like, did I, was like, did you like me on that show? Did I do a great job? And if the answer is yes, then why wouldn't you at least let me say, let's see what he does for this. Well, this is the thing. That's the only thing that uh, you know. This is the thing that bothers me as well. So when I was when I was doing theater, I talk about that too much, but it was it really was a a, a formative time in my life. I would do a lot of auditions, and then out of those auditions, there's a small group of actors that I thought were really really good, and that was my treasure chest, and I held that. That was the way I made money, you know. And I would try to add to that treasure chest. I would, I would audition hundreds of actors, and I might find one more, and I put that in the treasure box. But when I cast, I went back to that treasure box, and I find that uh, mm -hmm. the best directors you see—they do that. They bring them back. Tarantino does it. Yes. Scorsese does it. A lot of the Spielberg big, does. If it. you like somebody and you like working with them, and you think they're a good actor, then 
you work with them again, hopefully. And, 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 I, and I think that, you know, we live, we're in a very large market here in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. There's millions of us. So there are a lot of very good actors. But I'm not sure how many people in town have that mentality rather than the one of, there's so many actors, I will find the one that fits the image that I woke up with this morning. And, they will, and they'll punch all the buttons. Right. And they often find someone who will fit that but may not be as good of an actor, frankly. Uh, I remember I was directing a, um, a play called uh, Life is a Dream, a great play. It's known as the Spanish Hamlet. Uh, um, and this guy, uh, Robert Sundlair, uh, who is an incredible actor, great director, smart fucking guy, right. with an L problem. He, his L is a little bit back in his quote like that, right? And he wanted to play the, the prince who starts as a deadly villain and then becomes a heroic romantic character. It's an incredible role. And he wanted that role so bad. And he, and he came up to me and he goes, and he knew that I was not probably going to cast him. And he, and, he, and he goes, let me ask you a question, James. What is, it, is it more important to have a good actor in the role or someone who fits the role? And I said, well, Robert, it's a, kind of a, it's, it's a balancing act. Try to get both. He goes, bullshit. And I'll tell you why. Because when you, you are going to direct this thing and you're going to go off and perform at the larger theater, I know your schedule, and, you're, and, and your customer is going to be alone with your actors and they're going to create the product. And do you want a really tight actor delivering these words or do you want a lesser actor delivering these words? And I took wow. that to heart and I cast him and he was the best thing in that show. The best thing in the show. And work and, ethic, new newest part inside out. Fucking good at everything. Yeah. Everything that it takes to be a good actor, he just checks all the boxes. I think a lot of times nowadays they go, Connie or John, how many Instagram followers do they have? <laughs> 3.9 million. Okay, that's good. Um, what's his IMDB rating? Oh, okay. Um, it, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of variables that go with that. But I kind of say, you know, I try to be at my age, I just kind of think. I'm just grateful. I'm just doing my thing. I'm loving, you know, life as best I can and trying to navigate through it that I don't have time to think about why the they cast other people. We and, both know, lucked get, out on a level. We that lucked out. This is all we did. Who have. gives a shit? My I mean, God. who gives a shit? If I could say, if I'm 90 years old and I say, hey, you know, I did this fucking, I did this role and this role. And like, what? If you told, I always say this, if you told your 10 year old self, you're going to do this and you're going to. You, you would take a shit right there on the right? street. Like yeah. all of, the, all of the, the miracles that had to happen to us, dude. Like just coming in town and getting any agent. Yes. Any agent is like the biggest miracle in oh, the world. Man. To, to, to get any real job through that agency is a lightning We could strike. easily be working at Staples right now. My God, or yes. wherever. We could easily. And by the way, and, I really like Staples. And I would be horrible at I was the worst waiter God awful. It was the only other thing <laughs> really? I could possibly get hired for. Yeah, there was nothing else I could get hired for. I got fired from so many jobs because I was just, I was just pathetic. I was horrible. Maybe because you were miserable because you weren't doing what you love. I, for whatever reason, man, I was just not the one you wanted to give you the ice water. How long were you on Torchwood? Only two episodes. You just did two episodes. Just two. And they gave me a freaking action figure, dude. And I only got two episodes. And I actually got resentful about that <laughs> were you mad that they didn't bring you back for yes. more yes i was like i rock come on yeah they all yeah and i did it and you worked with john barrowman oh i loved it yeah you, did you hear what happened just in the news today no 
John Barrowman has opened up on why he exposed himself on the set of Torchwood, <laughs> claiming it was up to him to keep the cast entertained. The Dancing on Ice judge has been at the center of a... Uh, anyway, his behavior on set of blah, 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 that came to light this year, and accusations of sexual harassment were made by his co former co-star, uh, Noel Clark. Mm -hmm. All I could say on this, and you know him too, is... He's a flamboyant, kind of larger-than-life guy. I'm not saying any of this is okay or whatever, but, you know, he kind of just, he said, he stated, like, you know, I had a sex scene on the show, and so I just try to make people comfortable by just being naked and running around, and, like, there's a certain flamboyance and openness and whatever, and that can certainly backfire, which it did. So I just was wondering if you experienced anything like that. I did, and, and the thing is that he is such... This is my experience, and I can't speak to the gentleman. Or the yeah, I don't know that, who was harassed. I don't know I don't exactly know, what they, that entails. They obviously had a very different reaction to or a different experience. Right, right, I'm right. I'm not going to take that away from him. But what I experienced was a, a man that was so sweet and so supportive, so loving, so giving, uh, that nothing about the behavior, and I've seen his penis, uh, <laughs> nothing about his behavior made anyone feel uncomfortable. It it, 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 nothing, um, uh, which is not to say that, I mean, I would say that his behavior was, was, was inadvisable in that it could be taken wrong by some people. You know, right. not you never know who reaction. you're going to upset, who you're making uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I'm sure, you know, we all, we all live in the decade that we live in and we all learn from each other and we all are each other's mirrors. You know, uh, uh, Sartre said that in No Exit. We are each other's mirrors. And we, 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 we judge what's acceptable by what other people are doing. And we learn from that. And, and now in this decade, you know, I remember doing Runaways. And the first day of work was meeting with the lawyer. Uh, the, you know, the hundreds of people in a the theater and the lawyer talking about uh, what we do now in Hollywood and what we don't do around sexual stuff. And I remember thinking, oh, thank Christ. <sighs> it's like, thank God we're going to get all of the, there's rules now and we can all kind of be comfortable together and there's not going to be all this drama anymore. Thank God, you know, but that's not when, when I shot Torchwood it was before all of this stuff was, was, uh, given to us by lawyers before all of the people you knew it was made mistakes right. and, 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 and we we're learning together. And so I, I tried for myself, I try to not judge people for not knowing what we know now, um, and not saying you should have you should have been where we are now, ten or what was it fifteen years ago? Right. Uh, it's not that long ago, but at the same time, it 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 seemed very risque, but also sort of acceptable at the time. Well, you heard Robin Williams on the set of uh, Mork and Mindy. He would run around naked constantly. Really? And he wasn't doing it to in a sexual way. And again, I'm not saying, I'm just saying, if you know Robin Williams and you look at Robin Williams and he's running, oh, look at me, I'm naked. And it's like, oh my God, he's, in, he's, he's out of his mind. Yeah. He is, That's he's an eccentric person. And it's better if we don't do that stuff. And we know that now. We know that now, right? Yeah. yeah. Back then, he's you know. But this it, was... it is better. I'm I'm here to say I was much more relaxed on Runaways than any other show because of this, because of sure. me too, because of all the you things that we're teaching about each other. Other people, you have yeah. to. You just have to. Yeah, and you know, and so if he could go back in time, he'd probably say, "Keep the pants on today, John." You know, he probably would do. But that. I have a sex scene. I know. Well, whatever it was, I mean, the person got uncomfortable, and um, you're you're right though. You make a good point. It's like we know now. 
It's like, well, no, your behavior then, you should have known. And we all make mistakes. We've all said things that we regret, we, that we're human yeah. beings. When are we going to get a break if we really apologize and want to be a better person? Yeah, and it's, it, you know, I, again, even historically, you know, I think, because we're, we're looking back now on uh, on political figures, you know, especially the founding fathers, and we're, we're, we're really coming to terms with a lot of them had slaves, you know, and we're recognizing um, and and I, I think that slavery is the the one of the worst things that humanity has ever come up with. Uh, Three hundred fifty million people died of slavery. That's that's a lot of blood in the ground, man. And we're still dealing with that. Yeah. And we're recognizing that there is a there is an inherent hypocrisy between the documents that we started with and the behavior of the people who wrote them. Absolutely. Uh, and I have to think of how is my generation going to be thought of in a hundred years and they're going to look back at our behavior and say they were monsters what what are those issues you know and i think the way we treat animals the way we treat the planet and things that i can't even hundred years will of. we be here <laughs> that's, that's the, the question thing, the way you know, we're you know the, there, there's stuff that i'm not even conceiving of that that we're going to be judged on but i'm a part of my time i'm doing the best i can i'm yeah. trying to, to 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 be a moral person with what I've got now. Yeah. Uh, I get mad at so myself because I think, I always think, I'm doing the best I can. And then I'm like, are you though? Yeah. <laughs> are you <laughs> well, fucking really doing the best you good can? For you. Are you doing enough charitable work? Are you doing enough? No, you're not. You're just not. Good for you're you. doing what you can. No. <laughs> I'm not. By the way, how are you doing? I mean, it's been a, has it been a rough year for you? Oh, no. Pandemic, Pfft, bag of shells. Well, uh, you, yeah, it's been tough. It has it's been, been tough, tough for everybody. For everybody. I mean, yeah. everybody's had their time, but uh, how, I got, are, how are you holding up? I very well. I gotta say, are you? Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm a gamer, so <laughs> I was like, oh, I have to stay in. In, in, in oh, this is such a change. I'm going to stay in my bedroom and play video games. <laughs> like, I was right. just, okay, I get to do more of that. Right. Uh, uh, I, you know, I mean, it was scary, and uh, um, certainly the convulsions in the country. Uh, were scary as well uh so there was some stress eating i won't lie yeah you know um but you know in general um my family's doing well i'm doing well we're both we're, everyone's still here i'm very lucky um most of my friends are still with us and what's Not what, all of them, what's yeah. uh what's what's next are you are you working on anything i know you're always working on something you're always writing you're trying to produce things you're yeah uh and what do you want to do I don't know, man. I I I'm hoping that a uh, I shot six episodes of an update of Upstairs Downstairs in Napa Valley uh, during the pandemic, um, and I hope that that gets picked up. It was really weird. Like they decided to shoot six pilots, six episodes, uh, and I think it's because they had a they had a really good relationship with Warner Brothers, and they really were being being told that they had a very good chance of this getting picked up uh on one of the streaming platforms um upstairs downstairs yeah that was an english show about an english manor where you have all the rich people on one side and you have all the servants on the other and there's a gulf in between and they're all human beings and we recognize them as full human beings even though there's a gulf and so this update is the rich people are wine growers and ranchers up in napa valley and the servants are the latinos who work the land and there's a gulf but they're all human, whether they recognize it or not. And I just thought, what a genius update, especially right now. 
to to kind of make that point like we're all human beings no matter what the gulf is we're all human beings here I love uh, it. so yeah yeah but i hope that gets picked up and man. i get to play a douchebag you know for a change really yeah good on you yeah, lovable, that's lovable I they would gotta argue. be lovable it can't just be a douchebag <laughs> it's gotta be lovable hey this is uh shit talking with uh james marsders these are from my lovable patrons you could join patron patreon.com slash inside of you and uh i'll write you a message after you join supports the podcast um these are rapid fire or whatever you want kelly s which fellow castmate did you become closest with in Buffy? Tony Head. Uh, Amber Benson. Amber Benson. Yeah, I would have said Tony Head, but Amber Benson. Because we did Chance together, which is a movie that she wrote, produced, directed, and started. And she asked you to be in it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and uh, I came to respect her deeply because I, I produced on a dime when I was doing theater. It was not expensive. <laughs> not a big budget and she did the, she she got a really good film out of almost nothing and she was so smart about how she approached the entire process uh so yeah i came to love and respect her very much maya p what is the most rewarding moment of your career there are so many there's so many my delicious. god how can i choose between my children my <laughs> I don't. there has to be one rewarding no and what, what that's hard I, I that's hard know. that's a hard one uh Okay, well, I can uh, just pull stuff that I've enjoyed. Anyway. There was So there was a, uh, uh, I, I did a six-hour original play about the French Revolution. and Six-hour yeah, play? This is back when Nicholas Nickleby was popular and I was in Ooh, Chicago. I couldn't stand up and, after an hour. Oh, it was so delightful. It was, it was, so we spent like the normal six-week rehearsal process getting the first three hours ready and we opened that. And then the playwright was struggling with the second part. He was supposed to deliver on opening night so that we could start rehearsing. Opening night of the first three right. hours, deliver the second three hours and we'd start rehearsal at the same time and he didn't and uh we had about a i think we had about a week and a half to two weeks to rehearse the second part before we put it up and uh and that was stressful <laughs> and i was playing the lead and i was just basically on stage the whole time and six hours were, of lines yeah, yeah yeah and 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 people would cycle in and out and and uh i remember kind of freaking out and then we go to open the second half and we have no rehearsal, you know, and and all of the 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 lighting cues get dumped out of the computer, and we have all of the critics because the first half was a kind of a hit, and and everybody was really excited about the play, and so all of the major papers, the the Tribune was there, all of the big uh, people, the Sun Times was there, waiting, and uh, we don't have any light grids, and the the thing is that. All of the the visuals for the play were all lighting because we're we're, we're changing. Um, you know, we go from France to England. We go, you know, here and there, and it, you, you can't change out sets. So it's all different lighting, and it's very complex lighting, and it's all gone. And the director <laughs> just comes backstage, and he's like, "Well, we're just going to bring up the house lights so they can see your face, and let's let's go, guys. We got to go. We got." And you did it like here. that, and we did it, and we got a huge standing ovation. And I realized if you have a good script and you have actors who know what to do with it, you can create a product and you can see their eyes and there's just enough light to see them. You can create a product that's, that's worth money uh, wow. in theater, you know, 
that's great. That was that was pretty good. That's the highlight. This is interesting. Jason B., what are your thoughts on technology advancements that allow actors to not only reprise their roles with their youth restored, if they wish, but can actually allow stars to be in films and shows after their death? How do you feel about all that? Well, first like of all. Like Carrie Fisher or like we were talking about making you look younger as Spike, yeah. if you prefer. I don't think we're there yet. I don't think, I have not yet seen a credible instance of this happening. Legolas in Lord of the Rings didn't. Well, how about really uh, Brad Pitt in Tarantino film? He looked younger. And, you know uh, what? Oh yeah. Yeah, him and DiCaprio, right? Yeah, I'll they give definitely you that looked one. younger. They definitely uh, that one did work, and they're improving. I they see what are you're improving, and also um, Irish, Irishman was the big one. Oh I yeah, you know what though? That kind of bothered me. I didn't like yeah. it either. I didn't yeah. like it. Carrie Fisher, I didn't buy. I, I didn't even buy uh, the new Luke Skywalker, even though I wanted to you buy mean the Mandalorian. It. Yeah, I, I wanted... kind of gave in. I uh... well, that's I was. That's exactly what I was going to say. say it's like I was so invested and so excited <laughs> right. in that moment that that I was like, I don't care. I'm there anyway. Yeah, but yeah, if yeah. I'm really honest about it, the technology, as impressive as it was, is just not quite to the point where I am not. I'm just. I don't know. I don't have to cross any gulf to to to, to buy in. Right. So, but we're going to get there. As you What's said. your favorite show on TV right now? Or what are the shows that you're watching? You like games. See, I just can't keep up. Ever since the, it was just, I like up, down, left, right, red button. It's it's hard for me. Not, That's easy for me. But I, I like to be an interactive part of the story. Where I can decide, I'm going to talk to you. No, I'm not. Well, what well, game? You know, uh, right now I'm playing um, the new Assassin's Creed again because it's so beautiful. Uh, I my, have that, but I just I I can't even. I don't even want to know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's so hard. I'm like I just wasted four hours. My neck hurts, and I haven't moved an inch. <laughs> just put it on easy. Why is it man? so hard? Just put the difficulty on easy and whoop oh, up on it. God. Um, my favorite game of all time is Wolfenstein Two. Because is that like a Castlevania kind of feel? No, it's a total up. The original was probably like that. It was a first-person shooter, and you just basically, you know, well, a okay. long time ago, shot a bunch of Nazis. But this one uh, is about what if Germany won World War II and then came and invaded and took over the U.S. And half of the U.S. is just fine with that. Oh boy! So it's like kind of in, in a way the Civil War. It is another, yeah. It's, you know what I mean? And it's, it is, it's a way, uh, I, from where Holy I'm coming shit. from, of admitting where we are as a country. Just what split really down the middle. Like. Yeah. And, uh, and you get to go down, uh, I think it's in, in Louisiana, and you, there are people running around with hoods, white hoods, and you get to shoot them. And it's, you do. I replay What's this that called again? A lot. Uh, Wolfenstein Two. The Wolfenstein One is amazing. Great game. And it's again about killing Nazis. But you're but over. I, I, like, I like the Nazi idea of killing Nazis. That's it's, it's always fun. It, it, I always love Nazi movies. I always love you know Inglorious Bastards. I always love documentaries about that stuff. I'm fascinated by it because it's such an astonishing time in history that I think you're just. It's like. You can't get any more evil than that. I mean, you can, but they're uh, great. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, like, how can you get how can you get the audience comfortable with killing people? And you know, the, if you can get someone really villainous, then it feels good, you know. And yeah. and and so that just on a conceptual level of 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 uh, having me look at, at at my own country in an honest way, and also just it's fun to kill people in hoods. 
I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Leanne P asks. I mean, we talked about the controversy regarding Buffy and, and your fellow castmates, but have you have you reached out to any of them after all of that? Um, I reached out to Sarah, uh, and but that was just texting. Um, that's it. I put I put out a again. You know, I feel like I'm. I am. Uh, I, I put out like on Twitter and Facebook. I put out support. Right. You know. Uh, uh, you did. Yeah. Towards the cast members. Yeah. And and Sarah couldn't believe. It's like you didn't know about that stuff going on. And I was like, I I was just thinking about me. I'm sorry. I was just into character. You know. She's like, Oh yeah, you were that guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but but that's it. Yeah. That's it, really. Yeah. But you would do. A Buffy reunion. You said you would. If if a script could come that would be delightful, uh, that could incorporate the fact that Spike has aged. Can't like, vampires age if they to, want to? Well, can you, can I gain a few years because I loved you so much, Buffy, that I aged a few my, years to be? Or he's just he's just <laughs> cannot accept the fact that he's aging. That he's just I look horrible. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just falling <laughs> apart because he's like at this point 150 years old. He's at 130 years of not aging at all, and suddenly, <laughs> oh my god, Jesus! Jay, you know, Spike, you look fine for my age. <laughs> you know, that would be kind of hilarious. But it would have, you know, it would have to be on the page. That would have to be dealt with in a way that was very, very delightful. It was Boreanaz cool to work with. Yeah, you got along really well. Yeah, you didn't really hang out. Nope. Didn't nope. hang out, but worked well together. Always, always uh, well. In fact, he I was really jealous of him in the beginning because my girlfriend told me that she had a crush on him, so I hated him. But he was nice to me from the very beginning. Like He was the one to go over to my little trailer and say, hey, man, uh, can I show you where the bathroom is? Can I, you know, this is where we keep the coffee, and, and you're doing so well. I imagine the same thing is going to happen for you as did for me which is I started out in the exact same trailer you're in now, the little triple banger, and now I have a bigger trailer. And I, I suspect next year you're going to, you know, you're going to move up. And, and he How was nice. so nice all the time. That's uh, good. A good leader. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, he was just a workhorse on, a, on Angel, you know. I That's just, awesome. Yeah. I remember I, I, there was one episode where I was the lead on Angel, and he had kind of, I think he had the week off, and uh, I just got toasted. And I came back after shooting that. It was Monday again, and we were starting a new episode. And I just sat down next to him. I was like, "How do you do it, man? I don't. How do you keep showing up?" Seriously, how do they do it? I don't. I don't ever want to be the lead on a one-hour series on net, especially network television. I I just don't. I'll I'll never do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I say never. I'll never do that. I would never do that. I just can't. I'm stupid enough to try, but I don't. I I kind of hope I'm never asked. It would just be the death of me. Michael Rosenbaum, 55 years old, dies on set of absolute exhaustion. Yeah, I don't want to be that guy. Rather, I'd rather be the interesting guy uh, who who gets the morning off. You know? Yeah. 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 But be the third lead, fourth lead, fifth lead. Come in there, kill it, crush it, leave. See ya. Let's do it. Let's character actors. Character. Thank you. Uh, Last question. Your audition, I think we might have talked about this, but was the accent your idea or was it they wanted someone English? They wanted someone English. They, 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 uh, uh, they did you tell them was, you were English or they knew you weren't English? No, they knew I wasn't. Um, and, and it, he wanted a, a, an original London punk rock vampire. That's what he wanted. That was, the, did you really work on that accent? No. Um, I got the audition the, the day that I auditioned, I think that there was four days until filming. 
They had their backs up against the wall. They'd been looking for someone for a long time and hadn't found them. And so the call, I guess, went out around town, scraped the bottom of the barrel, you know, uh, and they found me down there. Um, uh, so I, I pulled out the accent that I had uh, just from doing plays. You know, I, I kind of have a workable, you know, right. accents that I would get cast as, you know. And so I had a good enough one to audition with. And Do you remember the lines? Do you remember any of those lines that you first said? The first words you uttered on maybe on audition or, uh, or maybe your first words on Buffy? You were there. If everyone who said he was at Woodstock was actually, no. If everyone who was at, obviously not. Well, <laughs> well, hang on. You were there. You were there. You were there. If everyone who said they were at the crucifixion actually was there, it would have been like Woodstock. <laughs> you know, uh, That was the first thing? That was one of the first things. That's the one I remember. That's such a good accent, though. I mean, people applauded that, didn't they? They loved the accent. Yeah, it got better. I mean, like, if you do anything for six or seven years, you're going to get pretty good. If we decided to juggle, I I imagine in seven (laughs) years we'd be really good, you know, so. Did you find yourself on dates going, yes, I like um, a large glass of, (laughs) did you ever do that? Did you ever accidentally jump in? You go, oh, I'm so sorry. I remember one time I was with a, a girlfriend in Canada who's also an actor, and we decided to have English accents just walking around a mall. We got invited to three parties in half an hour. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> oh my wow, god! Wow, they really do like English people. Yeah. Well, dude, this was a treat. I like I like being in person with you. I like to see you and talk to you. And I'm so glad you're doing well. And you look great. You look better than you did last time. I just had surgery, so I don't look that great. But I'm doing fine. Yeah. Everything's great. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What, what kind of surgery? That was a little back you, surgery. Right? They just went in there and they took some things out that didn't belong in there. And now I'm just healing. But uh, should be uh, good to go very soon. Kick ass. Well, you look like you're still doing sit-ups, which is impossible. I'm not so really doing have... sit-ups. No? Okay. Ryan's laughing. He's like, he's doing sit-ups. Like, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> he's doing sit-downs. Uh, James Marsers, thank you for allowing me to be inside of you once again. This was oh, a treat. You're so kind when you're inside. Thank you. A great guest. Really good. Really good. Um, just enjoy. He's one of the few guests that don't say, hey, cut this out. Or He just says what he wants. He knows mm-hmm. what he's saying. He doesn't have any regrets. And he says it. And I like that. It yeah. makes our job easier, doesn't okay. it? It does. He was really uh, easy to talk to. And I, I really appreciate you, James, Jimmy, for coming over. You're welcome anytime. You're a really fun guest to have on the podcast. And uh, again, join patreon.com slash inside of you. That's where you can go to join Patreon and become one of my top tier patrons or just a, a, someone who's giving a little bit more back to the podcast. Go to patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash inside of you. And don't forget the Inside of You online store if you want any merch or go to sunspin.com. It's my band. Uh, you can Zoom with me. You can get merch there for the band. We got some really cool shirts and hats and a bunch of other things. Stephen Amell has been wearing my Sunspin hat on every interview on anything he's been doing. So if you want a Sunspin hat that Stephen Amell has been wearing, go to sunspin.com. And if you want Stephen Amell's hats, uh, tough. <laughs> exactly. Tough. Tough. Um, yeah, I really appreciated James coming in. It was fun. Yeah, it was uh, good. It's yeah. good to have people in again. Why don't we read our top tier patrons and uh, just a reminder to subscribe and follow us um, on Instagram at, at Inside of You Podcast and Facebook at Inside of You Podcast and at Inside of You Pod on the Twitter. Write a review, do all that stuff, help the podcast out, will you, folks? And I'll be in West Virginia this coming weekend to do a small night, signing autographs, taking pictures. Uh, we can talk about the podcast, we can talk about anything you want. I'm also on the cameo. 
so you can cameo me. So let's do the top tier, top tiers. Here we go. Big shout outs. Nancy D, Leah S, Trisha, Sarah V. Correct. Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill, E, Brian H, Mama Lauren G. Correct. Nico P, Jerry W, Robert L, Jason W, Apothean, Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Raj C, Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M, Jennifer N. Remember, you get your name shout out if you join patreon.com slash inside of you. This is what the, these are. Mm-hmm. They get their name shout out because they're top tier patrons. I shout their names out. Stacy. Uh, L. Correct. Jen S. Jamal F. Janelle B. Carrie B. Tabitha 272. Not, Not to be confused with, with Tabitha 272. I just met her. Oh, she really? was at the uh, Lexington Con and it was a joy. Oh, nice. She was a sweetheart. Oh. Um, someone's calling me. Not answering that one. Kimberly E. Mike E. Eldon Supremo 99, 99 more. Ramira. Santiago M. Sarah F. Chad W. Leanne P. Janine R. Maya P. Maddie S. Shannon D. Belinda N. Kevin V. James R. Wow, that's hard when I go random. Chris H. Dave H. Spider-Man Chase. Sheila. G. Brad D. Ray H. Tabitha. Uh, T. Correct. Liliana A. Michelle. M. N. K. K. Michelle King. Michael S. Talia M. Betsy D. Claire M. Laura. Uh, you're making faces at me and I don't know what it is. L. L. Chad L. Rochelle. Nathan E. Marion. Meg K. Janelle. B. P. P. Close. Tra- Trav L. Dan N. Lorraine G. Carrie H. Veronica K. Big Stevie. W. Yes. Kendall T. Angel M. Rhiannon C. Corey K. Super Sam. Coleman G. Dev Nexon. Michelle A. Liz L. Jeremy C. Andy T. Cody R. Sebastian K. Gavinator. Ann H. David C. Elliot. Gould. M. John B. Brandy D. Yavor R. Camille S. Bono or Bano. The C. The C. Joey M. Willie F. Christina E. And Adelaide N. Mm. Adelaide N. Those are the top tier mm. patrons. Folks, uh, I love you listening to every week. Uh, tuning in i know there are a lot of podcasts out there but hopefully you're enjoying this one you learn something from it It helps you out in some way thank you for all your letters thank you for all your kind comments and um you know we're still doing it so and thank you big shout out to my uh our editor here jason jason Mm -hmm. doing a great job when you say ryan i think he's kicking ass uh he's doing a great job doing a great job ryan thanks for being here with me of course and uh ryan helped me today we did a podcast and he had a good uh a uh, question for one of the guests and interjected at the end. And I'm glad he did. I told him to interject whenever he wants. I remembered something. You remembered something and I appreciate your remembering your, me- your memory. You're welcome. Um, thank you, Bryce. I love you, buddy. And uh, from myself, Michael Rosenbaum and myself, Ryan Tayez up here in the Hollywood Hills of California, waving at the camera. Thank you for allowing to be inside each and every one of you. And I hope you have a glorious week. Be good to yourselves. Um, And that's it. I love you. Thanks. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What Women Binge, wherever you listen.